Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. everybody. Oh man, and welcome to those of you who are visiting today online and in person. For those of you who do not know me, I am Reverend Kelly Kincaid, the senior minister here, and I am thrilled to be here with you all today. I'm going to share our announcements and then we will get to our service. So everyone is welcome to join us downstairs for fellowship with light refreshments after service today. I hope you all can join us. And then tomorrow we're going to be having our critical conversations meeting at um, at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Dr. Leslie Jackson will, be, will return and she will continue her presentation on building conscious allyship. She has, an, she has awesome information that really stirs and inspires to, uh, it's about allyship and doing it in a way that's transformative. And I, I really appreciated her presentation. So I hope you can join us because I'm setting a forum 
I'm set, trying my best to set a forum for us in Unity of Farmington Hills to join together and create bonds between our races and be a healing agent so that we can be an example of that out in the world. Does that make sense, everybody? With everything that's going on, we got to do it ourselves here in our own home and then practice it in our own home and then take it out. So I hope you can be there tomorrow at 7 p.m. on Zoom and invite others to join us as well. The more we make this a big bang, the more we can do our part to heal the consciousness of the United States and the world. And then our annual trunk or treat is this Saturday, uh, October 29th. That's my sister's birthday. She'll be celebrating in heaven with us. And that'll be from 2 to 4 p.m. Our goal is to have 20 trucks that, trunks there. Last year, we had about 15. So I want us all to come together. Let's bring, put on our costumes. I got to find a costume. <laughs> Decorate our cars. Bring some individually wrapped candy or snacks. And let the kids trunk or treat, uh, uh, trick or treat from your trunks. It is a safe way for us to create an outreach for our community. And we had a really good time last year. We served 224 people last year. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And I had a lot of fun being an angel. <laughs> My knees knocking together, it was cold, but I was being an angel. So please sign up to volunteer or at least bring in some individually wrapped candy or special treats. Our Thanksgiving drive, food drive held by the Children's Church will be, it'll start on Sunday, October 30th, so next Sunday, and it'll go through November 14th. And this is to provide meals for Thanksgiving. Last year we provided meals that had breakfast, lunch, and, din and Thanksgiving dinner for 50, over 50 families last year. That's pretty cool. And the idea was to only do it for two. And so that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So if you can um, bring in some items, there are flyers out on the uh, counter outside of the hall. There will be boxes, uh, boxes here next week so that you can bring your items and put them in there. And let's try to meet last year or do better. I like, the, I like the do better thing. <laughs> and then we are having our first annual Veterans Appreciation Sunday on November 6th. And it's going to be to honor our veterans, those veterans who are family, those veterans who are members, those veterans who are friends, and in the community. So we're going to have a special service, which I'll be honoring them in the service. And then afterwards, we're going to have special refreshments for them to fellowship with us. And then there'll be the monthly veterans peer support group at 12 p.m. So please invite veterans that you know and love, or even those you don't know who you know are veterans, invite them to our to be celebrated and honored by us. Amen? Amen. And then we're having our new members service on November 13th, which will be from at 11 p, uh, 15 a.m. It'll be after service to honor and acknowledge those who are new members in this church. Um, we do it twice a year, in the beginning of the year and around this time at the end of the year. So if you'd like to become a member, please go online to our website and click on About Us. The membership form will show up. You can fill that out, and you will be a member. That's all you have to do. And then we can celebrate you on November 13th. I'm looking forward to that event. Today, our prayer chaplain is Lynette Kelly, and she will be over in the sanctuary over near the patio doors to pray with you. So what I ask is that you please leave the sanctuary immediately after service so that whoever gets prayed for has a sacred space. Does that make sense, everybody? Thank you, thank you. Amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> to stay abreast of what's going on at UFH, please visit our website, unityfh.com. Check out our Facebook page. 
Read through our newsletter. It's all a lot of stuff in there, y'all. And uh, Matthew sends it out every Friday afternoon. Okay, so I think I covered everything. If I didn't, charge it to my mind and my heart. You can look online and get the rest of it. So now as we listen to our music team sing Shirley to Presence, let's settle down, open up our hearts and our minds to hear the daily word and for the opening prayer and meditation. daily word, I want to acknowledge our piano player, Tony, and I want to acknowledge Joanna, who's our new singer in our music team. It's nice to... I'm going to be real with you. One of the things that we have for our values is diverse, and that's one of the things that we've been talking about that we wanted in our music team, and we're getting there. Amen? So I'm just going to be real with you. I'm happy to see. Because when you come in, you want to see yourself reflected, you know? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who he didn't hear, he said we're very white. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I'm very ethnic. <laughs> okay, so now we'll settle into the reading of the Daily Word. For Sunday, October 23rd, 2022, and for Dr. Debbie... Folson. Today's her birthday, so we're going to, in our hearts, we're saying happy birthday to her. Our word for today is prosperity. And today we affirm, with God as my source, I live abundantly. Let's say that together. With God as my source, I live abundantly. And our message reads, no matter how much I have in the bank, the kind of car I drive, or the house I live in, I know these things are mere manifestations of abundance. The source of all prosperity is God. I look beyond appearances to a deeper meaning of prosperity. Meaningful work that I enjoy doing is part of my prosperity, not only because of what I earn, but also because of the satisfaction I feel when I use my skills. My house becomes a home when filled with people I love and care for. My finances, my financial resources don't diminish, but multiply when I share them generously. As I look beyond the good in my life to the love, the creative insight, and the limitless flow of I, divine ideas that brought them into manifestation, I discover true abundance. And today's scripture is from Proverbs 8:18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and prosperity. Let us pray. 
So I invite you to gently close your eyes with me and take a deep breath. Let your focus flow down into the center of your chest, which we consider our which we consider our heart center. This is where the sacred cross is, where the vertical beam of our relationship with God meets the horizontal beam of our relationship with ourselves in the world. Right in the center is where we focus and acknowledge that divine inside of us, the presence of God, the power of God, the activity of God that is always active within us. And as we acknowledge and affirm that feeling of love, let your heart well up with a sense of peace. Let your mind become still. Let your body relax in this now moment and the flow of God. Set your intention to be in that holy space today. Knowing that that prosperous, abundant expression of God is the holiness within you. That wherever you walk is holy ground. That whatever you think prospers. That whatever feelings you feel, feel infuse that prosperity with abundance. Take a deep breath and breathe that in deeply. I am whole, perfect, and prosperously complete. And exhale deeply. And just let yourself sit in that now moment, this sacred now moment. Knowing that God is your source. And you live abundantly. Take another deep breath. Breathe in love and abundance deeply. And, then, and release that breath deeply out into the world. Releasing, letting go, and letting God take it and purify it into a higher expression of your good. No one can do you better than you. Know this. Believe this. Receive it. And be it. In the highest vibration ever. Thank you, God, for that knowing. We accept it and receive it. We be it and live it. And so it is. And we let it be. Amen. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and now let us affirm our statement of being together. God is all, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all 
is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. Say that two more times. I am an individualized expression of God. Now say it like you mean it. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And now let us affirm our U of H growth affirmation. And we're going to add teachers in there with some kind of gusto because we need some teachers. We're, our, church, our children's church is growing. So let's affirm and infuse that in there because we've got the seekers coming in now. We need the teachers. Together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate, spirit-filled world. Thank you for affirming that with me. Now let's see the teachers coming in. <laughs>
I promise you. I need to leave some tissue near me because <laughs> uh, they always find a song that touches deeply and gets me crying, and I'm going to cry, baby. <laughs> Just say amen. That's, that's, can we give them another hand, please? I'm so full right now, and I'm listening, and I've been in those spaces where I say the Father and I are one, amen. So that's really touching me right now. Let me just settle down and listen. It's a lot going on in this house. There's a lot of people in this house who are touched. By that too, I can feel you. I can feel you. I want to go right into my talk. I don't have a joke for today. Today, the, the last couple par parables have been really serious for me. And today's parable is about the great feast, which is another, another way of uh, it being read is the parable of the wedding feast. And this is the parable of the great feast. The title of my talk, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep up with me, Berkeley, because I'm, I'm like a pendulum going back and forth. Um, the title of my talk today is The Great Feast in the Kingdom of Heaven. And this is kind of deep because when you read this in Matthew, this is in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 17, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And as I often say, feel free to bring your Bible. Some of you, I notice, pull, them up, pull your Bible up on your phone, too, and you can read it. But it's nothing like reading along in the actual Word of God. It is, it's sacred. But where Jesus is sharing this parable, he shared two other parables before. And he's done it for a reason. It's because when he uh, came in on the donkey, this is right after he came in on the donkey, proclaiming from his actions that he is the Messiah. And the Jewish people knew what it meant because they knew the Old Testament, and they knew in the Old Testament it, it proclaimed and it prophesied that the, the Messiah would come in on a donkey, a young, a young donkey, a baby donkey. And so they're running and putting their palm trees, that palm leaves down saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the religious people are upset. They're angry because Jesus is kind of taking their hold of control off of the people to where the people depended on them, the Pharisees, Sadducees, rabbis, and, and to get the word instead of what Jesus is teaching you to go inside to get the word that your relationship with God is more important than, than even what is being told to you by those who are supposed to be religious leaders. And so they're upset at him, and so he intentionally upset at him and so goes in, and he, after he comes in, he intentionally does some things like he'll go, he went into the church and he cleared out the tables of the money changers who were selling sacrifices so that the people could, they would buy sacrifices so that they could give the sacrifice um, in the church to the priests. Jesus saw that it was being used for profit and not for the love of God. So he goes in there, he sweeps over the tables, and he tells them, you're changing my uh, father's house into a den of thieves. And they really were. 
They really were. This was the time in that week that uh, he was really shaking things up and stirring things up. It's like leaving with a bang, drop the mic kind of thing, right? So he says these other two parables, which we're going to touch base on a little bit later on when we continue our study on the parables. But this is the last parable. Okay. Is that you, God? <laughs> This is the last parable of, which was considered the kingdom parable or the king, um, parable of the kingdom. And so this one is the parable of the great feast. And Jesus is intentionally doing this because he used parables in a powerful way. Parables are stories about earthly circumstances and situations that share a spiritual meaning. And in these parables, he's sharing these parables as a way of demonstrating the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. And so let's go ahead and read this one. Parable of the Great Feast, Matthew 22, verse 1 through 14. Jesus told them another, other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they, were all, they all refused to come. So he went, sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fatted cattle have been killed, and already everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored the, them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and sent, his, uh, sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns, town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I've invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners, invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Down to verse 11. But when the king came, the king came in to, greet, to meet his guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothing for a wedding. In some versions it says, wasn't wearing wedding garments. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But he had no he had, the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let me just settle myself down. God, I am listening. I feel you. I know you. I open myself up to hear you, to have the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and the heart to be the expression of your message. Thank you, God. Amen. So now this wasn't just any feast. The thing is, back in the day, in the Jewish times, the, the, the groom's father was the one who would pay for the 
the reception and the wedding and all that, and they would go all out. It would be a three-day feast. Now, I mean, they would be doing some do. Like when Jesus, on the, the, in his first um, miracle where he turned the water to wine, they had been feasting and had celebrated for three days, and they ran out of wine. Now, what they used to do back in the time is give away the good wine, get, them all, get everybody all drunk, and then they give them the, the uh, cheap stuff. Well, at the time when Jesus' mother came and told him, uh, they don't have any more wine. He said, what do you want me to do about that? It's not my time. And his mother has him on that third day while everybody's grumbling because there's nothing else to drink, has him turn water into wine, and it ends up being the best, the high quality. Jesus doesn't play, and God doesn't play using Jesus or me or you. And I promise you, you are still, you, it didn't stop back when Jesus transitioned. We are all powerful expressions of that mightiness within us. Amen? So that was, a, that was a wedding that he had gone to, and then he, he performed his first miracle. So now he's sharing a story about a wedding feast, and he's sharing this story in a way to demonstrate some truths here. It says in here that the wedding feast was for his son. And like I said, they prepared a big, the, the father of the son was the one who usually, uh, for the wedding, was the one who usually paid for everything. But here is something deeper. It's a great wedding feast prepared for his son. And this is the king. And when you look at this metaphysically, Jesus is demonstrating that God is the king and he is the son. And the feast that's being prepared, the wedding number one, demonstrates our oneness, our marriage, our union with God. That we are equally human, equally spirit. Does that make sense to everybody? So it's signifying this. So this celebration is to celebrate our oneness with God, to celebrate our acknowledgement, our affirmation of it, and our celebration that we are one with God. And in the consciousness that we are one with God, there are many things in the kingdom of God that we can feast from. That's that wedding feast. Now this didn't end with Jesus. In the here it says, a great wedding feast for his son. Son is in lowercase, which represents you and me as well the sons and daughters of God, not just Jesus, and that's it. Everything Jesus said about himself, he was saying about us as well. Does that make sense to everybody? Jesus was the example for us to follow. In unity, we say he's our way sure, our brother, our example. And so everything, that's why he said, these things that I do, you shall do, and you shall do what? Greater, right? He says this because he's an example to us. He didn't want us, he doesn't want us to praise and celebrate him as the God. He wants us to praise and celebrate that he is the way, the truth, and the life to the God. Jesus was always the example on how to be a life expression of the God in you, that individualized expression of God that you are. So this feast represents all of the spiritual aspects and characteristics of God of the kingdom of God, of the spiritual realm, the infinite, prosperous, abundant aspects of God that dwell in you and in me. And as we've been saying over and over again, often in these parables it's, it's demonstrated, it says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, but there's a nuance there because the kingdom of God 
is the realm of spirit, the omnipresence of spirit that is everywhere present within you and within me. Now, when we go into our intimate relationship with God, our intimate connection with God, that's the imminence of God within you. Does that make sense? And when you tune into the imminence of God within you, you're tuning into the kingdom of God within you. You learn it better. You experience it better. And when you truly experience it to where your life is never going to be different ever again, you know you've tuned in. You've turned that aspect of yourself on. Now you're experiencing the kingdom of heaven. You become the kingdom of heaven, which is the understanding, the experience, the knowing, and the being and demonstrating that fifth unity principle that is not enough to know the truth. You must what? Live the truth. That you, only a few of you know this. Let's try this again. We're going to try this again. We ready. It is not enough to know the truth. You must live the truth that you know. Thank you. Y'all acting brand new. We got visitors, but you still can speak what you know? Holy moly. And for those of you who are visitors, <laughs> I'll call you out in a minute. I'm just saying. <laughs> Am I telling the truth, y'all? Okay. So now, this is beautiful the way Jesus orchestrates things because these stories open up your imagination for you to actually dwell in it in your mind on what's going on as you read through the parables. So he says that he sends his servants out to tell those who are already invited that it's time to come. That's what they did in, in, in Jewish times back in the day. First they invite you, you say you're going to come, and then they tell you when it's ready. Nowadays, we tell them, come at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. But they would send the servants out. Now, this is the king. And you're invited to the king's house for a royal feast. And they had a nerve to say, no, sir. I'm not coming. Okay. But let me send them out again. They might not have understood what I was saying. So he sends the servants out again. And as the servants are sent out, no, sir, I'm not coming. I got a job to do here. I got a farm to do here. I, I got a business to take care of. More important, now back in the day, that's a slap in the face because a feast was a big thing, and a feast with the king was a big thing. So what is that demonstrating that Jesus is saying in this story? This is how the Pharisees, Sadducees, and rabbis are acting. Jesus has the word, Jesus has the truth that he's demonstrating and he's offering us to come to the table and all of us are invited. Whether you know it or not, you're invited to come to the feast, to sit at the table, to be in a conscious relationship with God, to be more than just in a conscious relationship with God, but be, to be in an intentional conscious relationship with God. Does that make sense? A conscious relationship, oh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to sit with God, I'm going to tune in a little bit. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to bless my food. I'm going to be good. I'm going I'm to do these things that I think they're good. I'm going to do these things that I think a, a, a good Christian should do. But Jesus is telling, go deeper. That's your actions. That's your body's movements. That's obligation because you don't want to go to quote-unquote hell. But the truth is you live in it every day when you're not in tune with the God in you. 
the gnashing of the teeth and all that, that doesn't have, you don't have to transition to experience that. How many of you have gone through a really difficult time and you felt like you were in hell? All of us have experienced it sometime or another where we felt like, where are you, God? All of us have had those moments at one time or another in our life where we felt like we were there. But the feast is there waiting for us to be in a perpetual, continuous, consistent celebration, tuning into, appropriating, eating of the thoughts and the words and the consciousness that is tuned into the presence of God, no matter what's going on in your life. And the Pharisees weren't that way. They were so in tune with setting the law and the letter of the law and condemning people and judging people that no part in their heart was their grace or forgiveness or love. And so these who Jesus says, um, when he, the servants who went out and the, and the people said we're not coming, that's who they represent, those religious people who weren't ready to go deeper want to stay on the surface and be obedient and follow the rituals, and that's it. There's more than rituals. They represent something. They keep your consciousness active on something. They open your mind up to be in tune on something. And when you do the rituals, it's to open you up to tune you in, but you go deeper than the ritual. You will go into being what it signifies, what it symbolizes, what it represents. Does that make sense? So no part of you is focused on what other people are doing because you're too busy tuned into being your own expression of God. And so that's what these people who, said, who are saying no to Jesus, are, and even the ones where it says that the others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. He's talking about like John the Baptist and prophets who were killed, and even himself. He's prophesying his own life in this story. Can you imagine how you must feel? You're saying it about people from the past in the Old Testament. But you're also saying this about yourself, that I will be insulted and killed. Can you, can you just imagine how that might feel, to know that, that that is your plot in life? I remember um, hearing a story about even Martin Luther King, Jr., and it was one of the interviews that was having with the people who were close to him. And he came to a realization that he may not live to, live to age 40. And he got into a state of peace that he may not make it to age 40, and he didn't. He didn't. And now Jesus is saying, messengers will be insulted and killed. Let me be real with you. This is hitting home for me, too. Because I'm sitting up here advocating, having conversations where black people and white people come together and build a bond. And that's going against what some people want in this world. And I'm a black woman doing it. The bottom of the totem pole where the society and the culture is in the United States. That's just truth. So it can be that I may provoke someone who will want to take my life. That's just real. Like, think about it. People are going in and shooting up churches and all of that. I can say something that's the truth and, and trigger somebody, and they come in and take my life. 
because I'm trying to get the world to come together, our church to come together, to bring others in to come together, when we have a healing in the consciousness of the United States. But for some people, that isn't a profit in their mind. That's going to take away from them in their mind. That's disturbing the status quo in their mind. It's messing up what the control is and the superiority in their mind. And how dare she, a black woman, do this? That's deep business for me, too, as I was reading this. But I ain't going to let it stop me. Jesus did not let it stop him. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King did not let it stop him. And those of us who are serious about standing in the truth, sitting at the table, feasting on the principles of God, being the example of love, no matter what, and speaking up in the process and in the truth of God, we won't let, you won't let it stop you either. Amen? Amen. To say the king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy those murderers. Now this demonstrates spiritual law, that you reap what you sow. God is the king. God is spiritual presence, spiritual activity, spiritual power. When God rested on the seventh day, it meant that God moved into being the demonstration of the law that God created, the spiritual truth, the spiritual principles that God created, that God's everywhere presence energy is always demonstrating according to what we reap. I mean, according to what we sow, and you will reap it. You activate the law of giving and receiving, cause and effect by everything you think, you feel, you believe, you speak, and you do. The way they treated the servants, they reaped what they sowed. When we take the spiritual principles and we use them inappropriately, even for our gain, it will still come back to you because it's out of alignment with the truth. And so that selfishness or that part of us is coming from the human perspective on a lower vibration will bring it back to us on a lower vibration. Does that make sense? So since they murdered, they got murdered. But the thing is, doesn't the Bible say that whatever you give, you receive pressed down, running over? Same thing with whatever you give that is inappropriately, it'll come back to you that way as well. We sometimes wonder why stuff is happening, or why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything, and that, but we did unintentionally sometimes, because your thoughts still put things out there. Your judgments still put things out there. That reminds me, yesterday I went to a memorial for John Hobart. He used to come to this church. We were at Renaissance, I mean, uh, Unity of Farmington, Unity of Livonia. And there was an interview that was done with him before he transitioned that they, they took, they condensed it down and played some of it yesterday during the memorial. And he talked about how intentional he is on being um, unjudgmental, living and breathing and moving and being the spirit of unconditional love. Now, I changed that word unconditional because the universe doesn't know un. Uh, it just says condition. I go into total acceptance. That's how I, I take that word and I say total acceptance, love. And I move from tolerating, which still is judging, you're just not saying anything, to acceptance. It is. You're just not saying anything. I'm sitting there not saying, I'm going to tolerate this. You're just not saying anything, but you're still judging. But when you take that power of judgment and use it the way it's supposed to be, 
which is our faculty of wisdom, you use it through discernment, not judgment. Discernment brings you into acceptance. Does that make sense? That was a beautiful thing that he was talking about to me when, when we're watching him. And I experienced him too when I went over there to do my internship. There was this feeling of love. You could tell he was eating of the feast of the wedding. You could tell he was doing his best to align and be the expression of his human and his spirit, that he was using his human as God's tool to be the spirit of love, the spirit of acceptance, the spirit of truth, the spirit of kindness, the spirit of transformation. And that's the true expression of king, the kingdom of heaven is when you're doing it not just to get something back, but you're doing it to transform yourself and the situation. When you come to the table, like really come to the feast, you come to transform yourself, to let spiritual truth be the nutrients of your, your Christ consciousness, to activate you to a higher vibration to be that in this world. Does that make sense? So there's this guy who's there in the parable, who doesn't have on the right clothes, the wedding clothes. Now, this is the thing. You remember it said that the servants went out and got all the people from all who were poor, good and bad, which meant, uh, you know, those who were living according to the law and those who not. And, and, and they, didn't, they didn't have the wedding clothes. The king prepared them for them. They put on the wedding clothes before they went into the feast. That's how they did things. They dressed for dinner. They dressed for the feast. And so the king, knowing that they didn't have wedding garments, prepared them for them. God has exactly what you need. And the garment will fit you perfectly in the form of your spiritual truth, your spiritual knowing, your sacred relationship with God. It's going to fit you like a glove. And the beautiful thing is, it's already there. God is relating to you, but are we relating to God? God has a relationship with you already, already invited, sitting there at the table waiting for us. But are we accepting that invitation? Are we moving into that relationship? Like for real, for real. The way you would your husband, your sweetheart, your children, your best friends. How do you develop a relationship? Like tell me. Call something out. How do you de develop? I'm asking. Talking. Talking. What else? Listening. Listening. What else? Sharing. Spending time. Having experiences. Being with that person. Thinking about that person. Getting to know that person. Understanding that person. Being in a space where you're seeking more to understand and to try to prove your point. Living in a space where you accept that person for who they are knowing that there's nothing that's in, inside of you that's meant to or has the right to try to change them, being exactly who you are with that person, being vulnerable and transparent with that person, letting that person know everything about you, being honest, lovingly honest, not brutally honest with the person. That's how you feast of your relationship with God. Like for real. God's doing that with us. It's our time to go to the table and be gracious guests 
If you show up thinking about yourself and trying to do because you're obligated to do, you don't have the right, on the right garment to be at that feast. To have on the right garment means to think spiritually, live spiritually, live, uh, relate with God spiritually, and then bring that relationship out into the world to transform the world. Let it transform you continuously until you take your last breath and then be that transformation to the world continuously until you take your last breath. Amen? Amen. Last thing he says here, for many are called, but few are chosen. You are all invited, and so am I, to that relationship, that feast that's waiting for you. Do you believe that? Like, for real, do you believe that? Have you said, RSVP'd, I'm going to be there? Have you RSVP'd, not only am I going, I'm already there with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be at that table with you. My higher self is not outside of you where you're going. It's deep within you where you're going. You're going to settle in. And make a home inside of yourself with that higher expression of yourself. To intimate, intimately know yourself even more greater than you think you know yourself now. Even if you've been living this, li this life for 60 years or so, there's still more because the in infinite in you is waiting to guide you forward. The power for October is zeal. That's that urging and that passion that is waiting to demonstrate the truth in you. And it won't be satisfied until it does. I say we let it, I say we let the truth fill us up so deeply that we get gluttonous with it, that we never let it go. That's one of the ways when you never get enough that gluttony can be a blessing. When you can't get enough of it, and you want to share, here, taste of this. Go inside yourself. I promise you, you'll love it. The best dessert, the best meal you could ever have, the most nutritious meal you could ever have, the most powerful relationship you can ever have is inside of you. And be that expression in the world so people can ask you, where are you getting your joy from? I'm going within. I'm at the feast. And I'm not going anywhere. God has called many of us, and I'm one of the chosen because I have chosen to be that demonstration. That's what that means. The many at first were the Jewish people. They considered themselves the chosen ones. And when Jesus said, went, took the word to a higher level to them, they didn't want it. So he said, all right, I'm going to share this with the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. That's why you have the other Gospels. You got the, you got the, Matthew is written for the Jewish religious people. Mark is written for the Roman converts. And, Greek, and uh, Luke is written for those who are Greek people who are converting over. John was written for everybody. God says everybody is open to come to this table and invite it. And I want to ask you, are you willing to come to the table? Yes.
Okay, let's try this again. Are you willing to come to the table? Yes. Thank you. I feel like an orchestra person to get you guys to... Howard, can you put that affirmation up for me, please? Let's affirm this with our hearts. Is it up? Okay. Yes. Good. All right. I can't see it up there. Okay. So let's affirm this together. I'm going to say it first, and then we'll say it together. Oh, there's a little bug up there affirming it, too. Okay. It may be tiny, but it's got a big bang if it's up there affirming. Okay, let me affirm it first. I prepare my consciousness for the kingdom of heaven through spiritual thinking and spiritual living. Together, I prepare my consciousness for the kingdom of heaven through spiritual thinking and spiritual living. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm done.
offering blessing. <laughs> All right, so let's just gently close your eyes, take a deep breath, move in the consciousness of prosperity and abundance, <sighs> knowing that as you give, so shall you receive. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing for today. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. And remember, you can give online. Go to unityfh.com. You can give through credit card, debit card, or PayPal. And also, when, you're, when you go in there, if you want to contribute to the Angel Fund, and if there's anyone who feels like you need the Angel Fund, the Angel Fund is a benevolent fund that we created for those in our church who are in need. You can do so by just emailing me and I can set you up to fill out the appropriate paper for that. Let's stand up so we can do our uh, prayer for protection. There will be an usher at the back door to receive your love offerings while you're here too as well. Woo! We just partaked of some stuff. Is that a word, partaked? <laughs> we just ate up some food, didn't we, y'all? Let's go ahead and affirm our prayer for protection. And when you're affirming it, affirm it as if you know it, as if you believe it, and as you're living it, that fifth unity principle. Amen? Amen. Together, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. Now our peace song. Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. 
If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com donate.